Okay, joining me today is Mitchell Tinley. Now, Mitch, uh, I just want to give you a little bit of a backstory before we get straight into it. Now, the reason why I wanted to have you on was because I've just interviewed recently uh, your co-host or uh, commentator buddy, uh, Brett. So I thought, man, it would uh, be Brett absolute... Yeah, so Brett came on the podcast, I think it was like over a week ago. So I'll be like, it's an absolute sin to not get you on as well, man. How you doing? Shit, why didn't you ask me first? Why don't you go to Brett first? <laughs> well, personally, because I didn't know you. That's all. That's all I got to say. That's, I knew Brett. Yeah. That's where, all I where'd say. you know Brett from? Oh, so a little bit also backstory. Brett trains at UFC gym in Barcada. Yeah, so. Bullshit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he like, rolls in. Like, actually. Oh, I. Like. He does a few exercises no. here and there. Yeah. <laughs> he sits yeah. on the exercise bike and shakes hands for sure. <laughs> well, that's definitely one of the things that he does. He also rolls up in his nice yellow Mustang. That, um, yeah, man. Uh, definitely gets, yeah, he's on that rest. bloody 6IX money or whatever is bloody 6PR. He's on that bloody AM money. Oh, he's, uh, uh, he's... <laughs> 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 No, uh, Brett. Brett. Brett Benetti to me is what I am to combat sports. Like we look at you and we're like, what? Well, it's good that you pull that up, man, because like it's not just combat sports, man, but you're a man of many talents. Like you're doing radio, you've got your own podcast going, you're getting you do comedy, which I wanted one of the other things I wanted to ask you about as well. But uh yeah, let's let's kick off with the whole commentating, uh, especially for Eternal. How did you get that? Uh, how did you get into that kick? Oh, shit. Uh, first of all, I've just desperately always tried to avoid a real job. So like anything I can do <laughs> that's not like, that's not working in an office or like sales, because I've done it every now and then and just gone like, I don't know what I want to do in life, but it's not this. Uh, so I've spent like the better half of my life drastically avoiding it. Um, and also when it came to, so when it came to commentating, uh, Eternal MMA gave me my shot in terms of MMA commentating uh, but it actually started with I so because I worked at the radio station and actually at uni I was doing media and all that sort of stuff so I studied radio at, at uni um, you really don't have to do that but I have a degree in radio it's not necessary but I've got it um, and I did a media course there and I wanted to make a, uh, a documentary on uh, Stephen the Steamroller Kennedy, who I've trained with for like 10 years, longer now. Uh, and I wanted to make a documentary about it because it was his uh, second fight in the UFC. Uh, he'd finally made it. It was like the king of Perth MMA for so many years. Uh, undoubtedly, too, this is before you, Jack Dillers. This is before everyone like that. Steve was, was everything and he'd fought like 30 times to even get a chance in the UFC. It's not like how you see guys now. I'm not saying it's definitely not easier, but there's more eyes on the sport now uh, where Steve had to have like, you know, 30 fights before he was even looked at. And he'd finally sort of made it and he got called up and he, I think he went to Germany and fought Peter Sabota or something like that. And he, he lost pretty convincingly, but it was within two weeks. So he'd finally kind of got rewarded for that and was given like a full training camp for his fight against uh, Richard Walsh at UFC 193 at Etihad Stadium in Melbourne. And I, uh, I wanted to make a documentary about it. And I convinced my like teachers and stuff to let me do it. 
all this sort of stuff. And um, I paid my home, my own way over there. Uh, I was like, I think it was like all ended up ended up being like fifteen hundred bucks, so I could save up uh, all this money so I could film this documentary uh, for Steve. And you can see it. I might even give you a link to it. Like I don't know how good it is. It's about like 18, 19 minutes. It's of Steve training, basically organizes all his training partners, all his training sessions. Uh, you see his weight cut. Uh, you see a lot of behind the scenes at the fighters hotel and all that sort of stuff. Um, and anyway, so that that went like really well. And then that's kind of where I made my name a little bit, at least with Steve and everyone around him for being like a bit of like the media guy uh, within within the, the fight game. And Eternal MMA actually had some, because they used to, at the WA Italian Club, they used to film uh, just with like a handy cam on the side of the ring. You'd hang on to the ropes and they would like just film the fight. And as you can see, if you look back at like Eternal MMA, like, 12 and stuff a lot of the the footage is is quite amateur and it's done like that um and they had a guy that was sick so they asked me to do it and i borrowed uh, a camera from the radio station i was working with at the time and i just hung on the side of the ring and filmed some fights and at the time cj rose was a ring announcer he does pro done pro wrestling before he's done eternal mma events before uh muay thai events and i love cj and cj knows this but I was a cocky young 23-year-old, 24-year-old. And I said to Ben Vickers, uh, who, of course, you know, uh, Scrappy MMA, Jack Geller's head coach, Eternal MMA uh, co-creator. I said to him, what's CJ doing it for? I'll do it for 100 bucks less. I reckon I can do it. And so they gave me a shot because, you know, it was back then. They weren't rolling in money like they are now. And uh, they're not rolling in money. I, I apologize, Ben. But like they are, uh, <laughs> he'll be like, man, fighters already give us enough about not paying them. But uh, no, they were, they were doing really, really bad. And they took that $100 cut and I jumped in there and I was a ring announcer for a little bit. And then they finally went a little bit more uh, professional. And obviously they needed someone who was a little bit better at it. And that's why they've got the, the legendary Dan Maudsley, who does it now. He's done a lot of the Queensland shows. He's done XFC before. He's a freaking lawyer. So he's like proper professional, everything. And then I don't know what it is. Like, it depends who you ask. But Ben then said, oh, we want to keep you around. And we're doing like, it was as they started doing UFC Fight Pass, being on UFC Fight Pass. And they needed someone to commentate. And I just knew all the, per- I know all the Perth guys. I'm like an absolute MMA nerd. Uh, I love the stories. I'm in media and people outside of media just think if you can do radio, you can do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they offered me that and I was like, yeah, 100%, I'll do it. Um, and then, yes, that's how that's, yeah, they go long story short. That's long story longer, but that's how I got into commentating. <laughs> that's actually pretty full of story. You literally went, okay, what is ever this guy's doing? I'll do it for $100 less. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dick move in the media. You don't want to undercut because it actually brings it down. But I really wanted a shot at it, and I thought, and I love I love CJ, but I thought I could do it better. Um, and that's just kind of sometimes how you got to do it. Like, don't get me wrong, though, I got my money back up because I kept <laughs> going like, hey, that's I'm doing a little bit better. But then, um, even when I moved from Perth, uh, I moved over to South Australia for a little bit for for radio. 
and Cam and Ben could have just let me go, said, hey, thanks for, thanks for everything you did. See you later. But Cam used to, and Ben used to pay for me to fly back from South Australia to Perth. So I would finish, I was in Mount Gambier, five hours from Adelaide. So I would finish my morning breakfast show at 10 a.m. I would drive to Adelaide, take me five hours to drive. I'd park. I'd fly in, I'd get in just after the weigh-ins or just before the weigh-ins in Perth, do the weigh-ins, do all my notes, wake up the next day, finish all my notes, do the event, fly out that night, get to Adelaide about midday on Sunday, drive back by about 8 o'clock at night to Mount Gambia for my show on Monday. (laughs) Oh, man, that's, that's mental. The fact that you said you even drove as well, just like five hours to do the waiting and then come back. It's just one of those things, man. Like I don't, you shouldn't have to do it and you shouldn't get sort of, you shouldn't get a a medal for being normal. As I say, like we should all love this and obviously not do it for the money. And, but the the fact that like Cam and Ben were willing, because it's not about what I get paid. This is a, a, a weird sort of side note. It's not what you pay me. It's what you're willing to give up. So I don't care if I don't see a single cent, but you go, Mitch, if you come on my podcast, I'm going to give up five grand in charity, something like that. I'll go, wicked. I'm now worth five grand, whether I see it or not. And that's how I looked at Cam because it, it took Cam and Ben probably like, they probably spent about 1,500 bucks getting me over to Perth and back and paying me and all that sort of stuff. Not that... I mean, we obviously shouldn't necessarily talk money, but they that people need to know like the effort they go or they went for me just to get over, just to be their ring announcer when CJ and plenty of other good ring announcers were down the road they could have just picked up. But that's how loyal those guys are. And if you go out of your way for them, they'll go out of your way for you. And I think I think that's why I'm still working with them now. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very uh, well way to put it. Like, uh, I, I remember we were speaking, I had a conversation uh, just earlier on with fight, uh, one of the fighters and from the gym, and he was just saying, like, you know, he's, he's pretty much broke. He's in his uh, 30s and, you know, he's training nonstop and he's competing, obviously, they won't say names. But I, I asked, man, like, there's some people these days that get so uh, insecure about their fan- financials. Uh, it's because, and I also believe sometimes it's because they don't really know what they want to be sacrificing for, like. And then the way you put it is like, if you find something where you find meaning in something that's outside of money, such as what you're doing, then you know the price tag becomes worthless. Like one of the best things I heard the other day was someone saying, "Say to me, oh yeah, passion doesn't have a price tag." You know, what I mean, like you can't buy it. You have to find it's something you've got to sort of find for yourself. And the next thing is, the next thing is. Like, you know, pick your own damn suffering. Like, well, what, are you, what are you willing to suffer for? And that's what you're willing to get better at. Uh, so yeah. that's, why, that's why I like to, to fight us so much because they're willing to literally suffer physically and financially, mentally, just for that, you know, that end goal of, you know, being a champion or winning, you know. And that's, that's one thing that's really impressive. Um, they yeah, are getting, it's huge. Yeah. I want to get already it It really is man like it it honestly is it's like also 
if okay, so if Dana White offers me five grand, that man has four hundred million dollars in the bank. Doesn't mean shit. Yeah. If Ben and Cam offer me thirty bucks to do something, I'm gonna do it because I know that I know that it looks like Eternal is killing it and all this sort of shit. But it's like I've seen those. I've seen those men and I've seen their credit card bills and I've seen like their own families have to go without. I know it seems like a, a real uh, eternal MMA wank fest, but it's like this goes for every promoter. You know, I've worked for guys like Peter Boyd in Muay Thai and things like that. And, and you see what all these promoters, uh, what they go through to put shows on. And, and people, I think, just see a snapshot of the top end of the sport and they think that promoters are just rolling in it. And, and even if they, even if they are, fuck it, they deserve it. They really, really do because they, they put all the risk, you know, they're the ones that max out their credit cards. They're the ones that go above and beyond so that shows uh, stay on. There was that, there was an Adelaide show with Eternal MMA. And once again, I'm sure they don't want me talking about this, but I will. That, they lost an insane amount of money, like an insane oh. amount of money, and they still paid all the fighters. Wow! And it's it's things like that, and they don't they don't ask you to take that pay cut because like they didn't do too well, and, and plenty of other promoters have done it. Like uh, I and there's there's guys out there that seem like they're killing it as well, like like James McSweeney. Uh, he, he had that legends MMA thing, and like he threw on a whole card and didn't even pay guys. Like there was some some issues that that happened with that, and, and obviously definitely not calling anyone out or anything like that. But it's just like that's just something I can remember um, that has fact to it. That yeah, there's some guys that when they have to choose to look after someone else or themselves, they choose someone else, and they're people I want to work with and be around. It's a very very selfless way of going. Uh... So I'm just gonna lock my door because fucking James McSweeney is going to come for me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good, man. Honestly, one thing I would actually also ask you about, man, is like when I was going through Instagram, guilty, stalking, finding information, uh, you like put up a few photos of you performing in comedy. Uh, but first, before we get into that, man, like you actually made me lose, made me lose my shit where you put up a video of apparently the time where you nearly set your mother on fire. And then, uh, ah, you, yes. man, you got to tell the story on the podcast because I've been pissing myself all week about it. Oh, well, uh, look, you can see, you can see my Instagram, Mitchell Tinley, one word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you head on there, I think it's in a highlight. It's something to do with like, my dad was mucking around with like one of those lighters that you light the stove with and he, he lit a napkin and it just, it just completely blew up. And I like freaked out and I like threw it on my mom. I didn't mean to, I just kind of like let, let it go. And like she nearly caught on fire. And then my sister <laughs> is like running around and picked up a shoe and just like start smashing it everywhere, trying to put it out. But you know what's hilarious about all of that? I had to hold on to that video because that was in that was in when I was in quarantine when I came back over the state like last year, and uh, and obviously we weren't supposed to be doing anything, uh, and so like that was it was like, the funniest story. 
uh, that sounded like we nearly set my mum on fire and it was in quarantine and it was <laughs> like, we used a shoe to put it out. And also the WA government's listening. I'm just kidding. We weren't in quarantine. Uh, we don't get enough, uh, I mean, we don't get enough news for the government yet, so I think we're cool. I don't know. Just Mate, I, yeah. they'll, they'll, bloody, they'll find you, trust me. There's this thing, just, just quickly. Like, so people often, because I'm, like, I'm on the radio, but I'm not famous, right? I'm commentating MMA sometimes where I'm not famous. Like, there's, like <laughs> you're at this level where you're doing like slightly better than the average person, but no one knows who the fuck you are, right? But if I went out and punched someone on the street, it would say Triple M presenter Mitchell Tinley King hits someone. If I do anything good, I'm just regular white guy. But if I do something bad, they'd bring it up. And that's how you know you're at least getting closer to fame. Yeah, well, this thing, people, I know it's, a, it's funny people that because people love to watch others fail. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. that's, one, that's one thing I've learned about our culture. People love to watch others fail. There's not enough people out there where, let's say if you start a business, like if you invite all your friends like that on Facebook, I reckon less than 10% would probably say like it. They'll be like, no, fuck that guy. He's because he's doing better than me. You know what I mean? So I definitely get where you come from there. It, it, it's, a, it's definitely like, it's definitely a learned behavior, right? So when I see like, for, for example, right? So I got taken off commentary of, Eternal MMA, um, and they put uh, Dan Bradshaw in, uh, Mr. Street X, as he's known by the kids. And, like, I think that's really fucking cool. Like, I think it's good. I think he should be on commentary. I think he's great, right? But I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't fucking jealous as fuck. You know what I mean? If I wasn't like, fuck you, man. And I've had, and I've had back and forth, and I just talked really good about Cam and Ben with Eternal. I've had back and forth about how I think them pulling me off commentary is, is a horrible mistake and all this sort of bullshit. And I think they're incredibly wrong. But at the end of the day, it's their business. They want to try something different. It is what it is. But like, if I, I have to be honest and like a bit of me wanted to be like, oh, why does Bradshaw get it? It's, it's probably because he's got this fucking clothing line and they want a sweet deal. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, it goes through your head, but you have to be man enough to be like, no, don't be a bitch. Like pull that, pull that right back. It is what it is. Um, take it for what it is. Take the loss or take the learning curve and and, and keep going. And I don't think too many people do that. I'm not fucking patting myself on the back at, at all. But like Jack Della, right, fighting uh, in uh, the Contender Series soon. Yeah, right? I guarantee you, for everyone that is fucking going, yeah, Jack, you go. There's 15 fucking people behind the keyboard going, fuck this guy. He shouldn't be there. It should be me. And that's great for the hunger. But you got to realize that there's enough for everyone. There's enough to go around. If, if Bradshaw kills it in commentary, then that means more people are going to want to get into commentary. That means more people are going to want to do events. That means there'll be more opportunity. It's the same with podcasts. There is a fucking thousand podcasts. Yeah. I fucking might yeah. even been one of the first to ever fucking do an MMA podcast, mm. uh, Eternal MMA Uncensored, and it fucking killed it. Man, I was getting thousands of downloads, and then I see all these other podcasts pop up, and a bit of me does go, oh, fuck you guys. Ugh. But 
you have to learn that no, the more more is better. Yeah. Because if I just stop you guys from getting in, then I'm not necessarily good, am I? You've just not had a shot. Where it's that thing of like the the goat, the best fighter, or the greatest fighter of all time, is someone who has beaten all challenges. It's not someone who takes the belt and doesn't fight anyone and stays undefeated type thing. Um, that's not a shot at Khabib at all or anything like that. But it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, I want everyone to have the same opportunities I do because arrogantly, I think I'm better than everyone. And the only way to prove that is if you all get the same opportunity as me, where if you don't, it's kind of like a fake victory. That's actually, I add to that. First thing I've got to say is shout out to fucking Jack Della. I've had that guy on... (laughs) The podcast. He's a fucking gentleman, and he's a fucking he's a great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Honestly, honestly, all the best for him on the Dana White Contender Series. I, you, when you mentioned all those other podcasts popping up, then you probably won the first. Yeah, we're probably the uh, the offspring of that podcast. No, no doubt. Uh, we're definitely you're like the the the, the tree. We're like a branch of that. That's definitely for sure. <laughs> but add on to that, like it's for me personally myself because I've I've been doing this. Uh, with my best my close friend for like uh, just over a year now we're almost at 100 episodes and and we treat it like it's a job i would treat i tr- I'd treat it like it's a job like i left uh being a mouse stripper just so i could focus a little bit more on this you know mm-hmm. and yeah true story i uh worked <laughs> some, i know right i I, uh, I worked the mouse stripper for four years i started when i was 18 years old i'm 22 now and what was happening to me was it just got to a point where, look, I just want to focus on things I love. And I did enjoy it, but the value wasn't there anymore. Like the value, there's so much value in me doing this. Even though it's been over a year, I haven't made a fucking dime of it, but I don't give a shit. Like I've spent so much money on it as well. But the, the point I'm trying to make is it's, what, again, what you're willing to suffer for. And when it comes to all these other podcasts, because there's so many, I had no idea that there were so many when I started. I thought, it was, you know, we did it as something that was fun. But when I see all these other podcasts, like, I don't want to be the guy who's like, fuck you, fuck you, like, fuck you. I want to be the guy who's like, oh, man, come on mine, come on mine. Oh, yeah, you've got less followers than me. Fuck, let me help you out. Let me do something for you. And I honestly believe that those things, they, they go a long way these days. Like, uh, just... I'll, I'll have anyone to fuck, like anyone at this point, like uh, people who are me- like would message me and he's only got like a few, he's like a young fighter. He's only got like 400 followers. I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put him on, you know what I mean? And I just feel like when you do that little act of kindness, you're always going to get it back. You know what I mean? Uh, Is that what I am? Mate, you are like way <laughs> above me. Dude, it was like- Not at all. That dude, Not at all. I had to like reach the top branch and be like, okay, all right, let's, let's shoot my shot. That's all I can say. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but the end, that's not, that's, that's cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like the worst thing people can say is no when it comes to podcasts. And you could ask so many people and literally the worst thing they can say is no. I've never asked anyone and I've had a lot of rejections, but I've never asked anyone and they've gone out of their way to like shame, shame me or because that makes them, that makes them yeah, look bad. Yeah. It's, it's that thing too of like, I think people are afraid of, of no. Uh, but if you ask anyone, most people will help you. Like, uh, for example, even when I was ring announcing, right? Perry Kale, who's like, 
really polarizing himself, but he was like the voice of Australian MMA, uh, not the actual voice, uh, Michael Chavello. His name is. He does one championship, but actually, like Perry Cow, the the, the ring announcing, he was like for Hex and all that sort of stuff. He, I reached out to him, man, and he listened to just about every clip I'd ever done on YouTube and like broke it down. And look, now I disagreed with every single goddamn word he said. Uh, he was like, he was like, lose the vest, lose the bow tie, too much screaming, too much passion, pull it back. And I was like, no, we keep doing it. But like. But point being is like I respected everything he said and I respected him even more for the fact that he took the time to you talk about like branches and, and and stuff like that. Like I was I was dirt on the ground to him and and he still took the time to to sort of uh reach out and, and, and listen to my stuff. And and so many guys will do that. You know, you reach out. Like if you could get to Joe Rogan he would give you advice. Like the thing is, is it's hard. People are busy. It is what it is. Like you get, you get burned by people too. So you, if you come out of nowhere and ask me for advice, I'll spend an hour with you. This, this example cut short. Yeah. Do you, do you roll? You, you do jujitsu, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what belt are you? Uh, white belt, one stripe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Say like, say like a, a beginner rolls into class, right? And they, and they always ask you so many questions and you spend like hours going through every little detail with them and then you never see them again. So people get scorned with that. People get like, and so it seems like they don't want to help you, but what it is, is they just, Sometimes they need to see you jump through a few hoops before they'll give you their time, but everyone will give you their time. Hmm. I would shill hook that motherfucker if he did that to me. <laughs> but it, it happens all the time. Like I remember when I first rolled in to, to a gym at Fitness and Fight Center back in 2010, I believe. Uh, Romel Luestro was there and... I fucking asked him 47 different questions and he did not give me nothing. He just fucking wrist locked me and sent me on my day. And then I kept coming back and I kept coming back and I kept coming back and not specifically to train with him or anything. He just happened to be around. And then after like four or five times, he gave me a bit more time and then explained to me how to do stuff. And because he saw that like, okay, this guy isn't going to, I'm not going to waste my time on this guy. And then he's just going to disappear. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of people want to see. Fighters, coaches, uh, media personalities, whatever it is. Ask them. If they say no, leave it, then come back. Leave it, then come back. But you got to make sure that you actually want the help. You just don't want the person that's helping. That That is, oh, that's a very well way of putting it, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so many people are going to want to ask Jack Della how to throw sort of like a slip right because you're like, oh, yeah, Jack Della taught me this. But you don't actually want to know yeah. the mechanics of it. And that's that's the issue is oh, I train with Steve, uh, the steamroller. Oh, I train with Callum Potter. I train – everyone loves that. Yeah. But how many people actually care about what they got taught? Yeah, it's actually, I think it's 100% true. You met, I met, like you meet a few people or quite a lot of people in your life. They say they do something for the sake of it, 
and then they feel like that is all you need to know. Like, uh, what's a that's a really really good example. Well, like, this is um, a good one. The, the UFC gym that you're at, okay. Like, yeah. no no offense, but how many real fucking fighters are born and bred in the UFC gym? There's people that train there, go there from other yeah. gyms. Yeah. But everyone just likes to go, man, I train at the UFC gym. And 100%. Like, okay, 100%. Cool. Yeah. 100%. You're right about that. I think I had a conversation with someone about that as well. Maybe it was my girlfriend. She's like, I swear to God, your gym just looks like one of those places where people like to go, they say, train. Yeah, because Instagram photos. I mean, if you if, want, if like I uh, was walking down the street and someone would say, oh, yeah, what are you training? I said something on the, the, like the wolf's den. They wouldn't know where the fuck that is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but, but every day. So uh, That's but the same it, thing like the, the AFL. Imagine you trained at the AFL Academy or you trained with Peel Thunder. Like the AFL Academy means more to everyone else, but it actually means fuck all compared yeah. to like a Peel Thunder in, in, in football for all my sports-related people listening. <laughs> I don't think I get many of those these days, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, personally, for me, I know fuck all about AFL. I'm from England, so uh, I, gotta, I gotta call it soccer here. Okay, okay. All right, here you go, here you go. Yeah. Uh, if you were learning to dance at the Magic Mike Academy okay. as opposed to the Voodoo Lounge, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get what you point. I get what, I get what you're going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a pretty well way to put it. Uh Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, for those for those of you who are listening, yeah, it's preparing a high level stripping agency to a face stripping agency. Uh, anyway, man. But to to move on from that, like one thing I also got to ask about um, is comedy. Now, the reason why I took a lot of interest into that is because I too uh, had a go at doing stand up comedy uh, for over a year. I did it when I was in uh, university and I, uh, I stopped after I graduated and we had the whole COVID thing and then I just never bothered to go back. But you could be someone such as yourself personally who's, how long have you been doing it for? Uh, a long time. I've taken a back seat over the last year and a bit, but like since at least 20, I'd say 2012. So long time, like a long, long, long time. Oh, wow. So almost a decade yeah but just like i really have not cared about comedy like at all like Mm -hmm. comedy is the most stand-up comedy has been the most like naturally gifted i've ever been at at any and at at anything ever Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i always i always used to say like so when i was growing up as a kid i loved basketball i like trained my like my absolute hardest right and i just sucked i just i was like got to like the NBL one level, which is like a, a low uh, level just under the NBL, the Australian uh, highest level. But like, I wasn't any good. Like I really wasn't for everything I put in and I tried so hard. Then there's like radio where I'm like been relatively naturally gifted and I work hard, same with commentary and stuff like that. But stand up was this thing that like, I was just fucking good at and I did not care. I just could not care. And it's that thing uh, to circle back to what you were saying at the start about passion. I didn't care enough about it. So, and I was making like decent money out of it too. Like when you do like fringe festivals and stuff, like I'd, you'd you pull in like, paid. You just hit me I with that. Paid, like, 
You were getting paid. I was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was getting pa- I was getting paid like a fair amount too. Like I wasn't doing anything like big. Like, I wasn't like headlining the comedy lounge in Perth yeah. or anything like that. I was still climbing my way up. But like when I do like gigs and stuff, you're still pulling in like 200 bucks a, a headline. And then when you pull in a, a couple of thousand bucks for like Fringe Festival and stuff. But I just like, I just didn't, I just didn't care. And when I don't care about something, man, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. Um, and that's, that should be everything in, in life. Mm. If, if you don't care, what's the fucking point? Because money comes and goes. And I always have this expression of like, I've never made enough money to care about money. So mm. if you're not absolutely loving it, if you're not sitting on the floor of a fucking UFC gym recording a podcast because you love it, then what's the point? Yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, again, it's just picking your suffering. What do you want to, what do you want to suffer for? I mean, because either way in life, no matter is what you're going to do, you're going to fucking, it's going to hurt. And one thing I love, I, I did, con- I mean, I did it and I was willing to drive to uh, some place and like some hotel and certain, there were certain places I wouldn't drive like 40 minutes, 30 minutes, just to do like five minutes in front of strangers and then half the time, the strangers aren't even paying attention. What the ah, heck? Are you fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. And then, <laughs> and then uh, but then again, you meet these guys like in like in comedians, like they've got, uh, they that's you're right about naturally talented. There's some people out there that are so fucking naturally talented, and then they just go out there and then they murder, and then they just go back to the nine to five. And then you ask them about the story, and like they're willing to do all this just because you know they live for that five minutes on stage where everyone's just you know they're just controlling the room, they're absolutely killing it. Oh, uh, you, you've done it. You're like when you're killing it in comedy, like you you feel like an absolute god. Like yeah. when you're on stage and you've got a whole room of people in your hand it is like and i've done plenty of drugs in my time it is without a doubt the best drug at all that's why i can i could never get addicted to coke or md or anything like that because nothing and i mean it's nothing feels as good as success Mm. and when you're killing and you know and the other thing too is like i the most embarrassed i've ever been in my life is stand up same sorry one other time okay. was once when I got, uh, when I was ring announcing and I forgot, this is really early on, and I forgot Jamie Hunt's name uh, when I was ring announcing him. And uh, he now trains at Kick-Ass MMA where I uh, go every time I'm back in Perth. Uh, and I still don't live that down and it eats at my soul and I still lose sleep over it. But like that, by that time, uh, every other time I've been embarrassed most of my life, I've been booed off stage, like choked. I've I've been heckled and had nothing to say. Like it's that whole like that whole Michael Jordan thing. Just gonna compare myself to Michael Jordan for a minute. Uh, Is like I've failed more times than I've succeeded. Like that. That's that's why I succeed Mm -hmm. because you know how to how to sort of bounce back. You can't do anything worse because I've had the worst happen to me in terms of embarrassment. Mm, agreed i honestly believe if you can uh, in the I did, I did it for over a year and in that over the year i did it whenever i would see someone bomb i would on it oh it would get oh it was so bad like the, the, it was it's that, the that worst shit cuts pain. deep 
the worst pain. Yeah. It cuts so deep because I compare this again to stripper. If I fuck up a move on stage, no one gives a shit. No one's seen my app before, you know. But if I fuck up a joke, everybody fucking knows that you're fucking up, you know. So that's what's funny you bring that up because, like, the only thing I put the most nervous I ever get in, in the entire world is ring announcing because comedy, if you fuck up a joke, you can save it. If you fuck something up, you can, you can work your way around it. You can talk to the crowd. You can ring announcing, man. There are guys that have spent the last eight weeks getting their asses kicked, sacrificing their families, uh, their money, and all you have to do is stand in the middle of the ring and read their name out and you've got like 5,000 blood-hungry bloody fans there absolutely just wanting to see a fight. And all you have to do is say, fighting out of this corner with this record from this gym, this guy. But you want to give it the absolute highest level of respect it deserves mm-hmm. and you just don't want to fuck it up because you, you, you want to do those guys justice and you want to, you want to give them everything they deserve because that's all your job is, commentating, ring announcing, fucking wiping the sweat off the, the mat. You're just there to make those fighters look better. That's your only job. And it's incredibly scary. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, but like, again, it goes back to you've got to, have that moment, you know, you've got to have that moment. Otherwise, and then you learn from it. And then like, I'm pretty sure I fuck, I'll even say even Joe Rogan, pretty sure he's fucked up a few times. And, oh, yeah. plenty, plenty, plenty. And it, it, it is, it's like, but it's risk. It's I'm, I'm, I don't have I don't have gambling problems or anything like that, but it's like I have that whole that whole Michael Jordan like I'm addicted to competition. I'm addicted to I'd like self-diagnose myself with the Icarus disease, which is like you know the Greek mythology, the the uh, kid that uh, developed wings and all that sort of stuff. He was like an inventor and tried to fly too close to the sun until one day he got too close, wings burnt up, he yeah. crashed to his death, and that's the whole thing. I've always trying to push it and see how far I can go. And I want to be the most scared I can be in my life. I want to work the hardest I can in the gym because just on the other side of that is incredible success. Like that feeling when I'm in the middle of the ring and I've just fucking introduced Cody Harden at a fucking sold out HBF stadium. It is literally like, I've never had it before, but it it can only be what I imagine heroin fucking feels like Mm. to the brain. It is just the the greatest feeling of my life and um but without like to get that you need to risk it all Mm. so it needs to be this if i fuck that up it needs to be the most embarrassing moment of my life and it can be but it can also be the greatest so Mm. that's and i'm willing to gamble that where i just don't think some people are and that's fine and that doesn't make me a better man or or them a lesser man but i will gamble it all on black Every single time. Yeah. That's not, that's respect, man. So, um, I mean, like, you be willing to take in that risk is what's important, you know, having that leap of faith. And again, to even actually just like show up 
and be willing to take risks is so much more better than most people ever do. You know, uh, people always choose comfort. You know, well, not always, but most people choose usually choose comfort. You know, because value is scary, but an embarrassment is scary as well. And put it from your perspective as well. It's you know, it can happen at any time. And to yeah. make it, but to it, come back to it is what makes it, it better. Is. Yeah, it is. It's a hard. It's a hard thing to do and it's easier said than done like i i'm afforded the ability to to risk a lot in my life because i have a i have a tremendous family that has my back and and i got a great sister and mom and dad and everything like that. so they've always given me the sort of opportunity that if i go out there and i fucking scream out the wrong name and i get jamie hunt's name wrong and everyone is like so confused and it's the most embarrassing moment of my life i still go home to a loving family you know what I mean? So it's like, and I, I don't think I noticed that. I used to just kind of give people shit when I was younger. Like, oh, why aren't you taking more chances in life? It's because some people don't have that luxury of being able to risk it all where I do. So I now am aware that sort of I can take advantage of that and I can risk, I can go chase my dreams in radio, comedy, uh all of that sort of stuff commentating because at the end of the day not that my family will like financially support me or anything but just like if i'm like emotionally crumbling they'll be there to pick me up where a lot of other people don't have that so it's harder for them to get out of their comfort zone never thought of it that way uh, that's called white privilege <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I haven't been exposed to that idea really, but I mean, okay. <laughs> but it just kind of, it just kind of goes back to it. the the main point of that is just like I, I give all of my success like to my family. Like without them, I'm I'm absolutely nothing. So it. It is, it is, it is because of them type thing that I've been given self confidence and the old fake it till you make it. Like that's all you got to do, man. The only reason why you're a podcast host to me is because you have a podcast, you made it, and so you're a podcast host to me, and you will always be a podcast host to me type thing. Where someone you went to school with might be like, "Ah, oh, what's this dickhead doing?" You get what I mean? Like it's like it's all about like perception. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that. I'm a ring announcer because I did ring announcing and because Ben Vickers, one guy, one guy said, yeah, have a crack at it. But that's it. It's just one guy. It's one, you're one guy's decision away from being incredibly successful or not. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I guess you uh, contribute a lot of your success to Ben, so... Oh, my, it goes down it goes on almost like a hierarchy of like cam and ben but it's like i would be nowhere without uh steve kennedy like he brought me brought me into the mma world he got me everything i've got as i told you the story at the start like if i didn't film that documentary i wouldn't have his job and then if i trickle that back even further the person that got me to ffc fitness and flight center in northbridge in uh in perth back in 2010 is my cousin uh, Isaac Tisdall, the Planet Smasher, who is the former Eternal MMA lightweight champion. So, like, if it's like it's, and I always like to do that. I know I like ramble on a bit about it, but it's like I like 
almost retracing my steps because you do get lost. You go, one day I walked into uh, an MMA gym and now I'm doing an MMA podcast about all the stuff I've done in the sport. It's like, how do you get from one to the other? It's like, I like to kind of go back and almost like, if it wasn't for this guy and it wasn't for this and it wasn't for this and it wasn't for this. And it kind of makes you grateful for that journey. Wow. Yeah. So along the line, you developed then started your podcast, the uh, Mitchell and Michael show. Uh, how did that fall into the mix? So basically I, uh, when I went to uni 2011, 2012, cause I did it horrendous at high school. Uh, cause I was trying to make it to the NBA, uh, poor decision. Uh, but like I got 49.99 on my ATAR, which I think for old older Perth people is like getting 190 on your TR or whatever it was called. Uh, uh, it was not, it was not smart. Um, and uh, so I was like, oh no, I can't go to uni. I'm going to have to fucking dig a hole for a living. Um, and no, I didn't. I just did an eight week personal training course at the Australian Institute of Fitness and I could get into law at UWA in the the second semester because the education system is a joke True. <laughs> and uh so <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre but like i studied a uh, radio at uni and then in a radio class of like 40 people the last guys picked were me and my mate uh michael uh like we didn't know each other we just got put together and so we had to form like a pretend radio show and then we did that radio show for like a term then we finished that class and then I asked him if he wanted to continue and just do like, fake it till you make it. I wanted to make a radio show, get it good enough, pitch it, like sell it like you would a pilot. Um, and we did that. And like this cut that story immensely short, but we went around to all the radio stations. Um, we ended up getting in contact with the guy that ran Triple M in uh, Melbourne. He ran the whole, like, whole network, the whole country. Uh, and he works for SCA, which is the parent company that owns Triple M 92.9, Mix 94.5, like those sorts of guys. Just gave us a radio show, chucked us there, said, you guys will do good. This is back in 2016. And then, of course, the podcast, like, trickles from that. It's essentially like the radio show, like, repackaged because that's where we're going in today's world is, is into a podcast. So, and we've been doing that for five, six years. And, and I'll tell you what, everyone knows us is like a lot of stuff we do digital wise and podcasts and everything. Like, mate, the most podcast listens I've ever had in my life is probably a thousand. It's like, we've not done, like, that's a, that's a nice, don't get me wrong, like that's a nice number, but we're not talking like, we're not talking a hundred thousand downloads, which some guys get a fucking episode. You know, we're yeah. not talking like, so I know, I know what it's like to, to do these sorts of podcasts. You do them for free and no one fucking cares except some dude in his fucking basement that loves listening to your podcast. And you know what? That's why you're doing it. And it sounds so lame, but you're doing it for that, that one guy. Because if you can just kind of like make someone's day, then it's not a complete waste of time. 100%. Oh, it's funny how you tell me that story as well because – the way you explained it is almost the exact same way that me and my mate started this podcast itself. We were both friends in university and we literally met on the second day of university and we both rocked up to the wrong class. And <laughs> that we had to walk across campus 
to uh, to get to the class we were supposed to go to, the fucking amateurs. And then literally all we ever fucking talked about was UFC and Bellator and one. It was actually all we would literally, it was 90% of our conversations. And then just we would have a love for podcasts and he was always sharing one with me, always share one with him. And I just thought, fuck, we got to do this. We got to do this, man. And then for three years, we talked about it. And then we both finally did it after we had COVID last year. And then we just took the leap of faith. And then... got to do it. Yeah, just like taking that first step. That's really all that fucking matters, man. And, you know, uh, again, showing love for it. And yeah, shout out to that dude in the basement, man. I hope you're enjoying this episode because at the end of the day, like... Uh, what, what is it like everyone's gonna start somewhere fucking if you go back in time to your first episode right your very first podcast you ever fucking did and then you look at today's part and look at what you're producing today that just like that's what i care about the most how far i come when we fucking started we literally here's the story on the first day we started filming we went to ikea and bought the shittiest like cheapest desk we could find and we found out that one of the one of the legs didn't even screw in properly. So we, all we had to do was we had to get blue tack from down the road to actually stick in the leg. And then all right. That's and then right. and then one thing else you also happened was my mate forgot his laptop and he lives in Clarkson and his and his laptop was at his girlfriend's house in Leaderville. He had to drive all the fucking way from Clarkson to Leaderville. We were supposed to start at 12, we didn't even start till like fucking 5 p.m. And then you look back and at the mics, the topics you talk about, the way you talk, and you're like, Jesus. But then you look at what you're producing, say, even in the space of a year, even if you haven't really come a super long way, but even the progress that we've made in the space of a year, like that means so much to me. Like, like progress, even if it's just a little bit, it's so fucking addictive. You know what I mean? And then uh, it, 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 it really is. That's, but that's the whole, that's the whole point is. I, if you want to do something, uh, fuck, I feel like I'm doing a TED talk sometimes, but like, you <laughs> just got to do it, man, honestly, because you're going to, you're going to fuck it up and, and, and it's not going to work out the way you want it to. So there's no point trying to make it perfect. Just fucking start. That's the key to anything. And I like to, so right now I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, you don't have a million downloads an episode, right? But hopefully one day you will, Right. And one of my favorite things to do is like, if you go onto Conor McGregor's Instagram, right? He's got like, what, 50 million fucking like followers, right? Yeah. I like to go down to his very first fucking post. And I just go, what was he posting when he first started? Yeah. So this is a stupid thing I do. So then I look at it and you see it, it has like fucking 400 likes or something. And it's just like a dumb photo. But then you start to see the progression of it. And then you start to go, okay, cool. Obviously the UFC made him famous, all that sort of stuff. But like, you start to see how people like uh, view your stuff and how they've kind of evolved over time. And so someone's going to do that to you, right? Mm -hmm. So when you finally make it in podcasting, someone's going to go back and go, wonder what he sounded like when he first started. And if they go back and you didn't respect it, they're going to hear you sound like an idiot where you've got to kind of do your show as if you've got a million listeners every single time. And that's how I like to try and do this sort of stuff is like, because you never know, A, you never know who's listening. B, you never know who's trolling back through your stuff. And that's why I think it's always important to give it 100% all the time because in the age of the internet, shit lasts forever. Mm. True. Yeah. 
I mean, do you realize it yourself? Because, well, I've realized myself, like I've had Facebook since I was 14. And whenever I get one of those memories that pops up with a photo of person I was forced to, it's like, oh, fucking no. Exactly. <laughs> and, then re- and then you realize it's on the internet forever. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, what's. Now- yeah. yeah, go on, go on. Sorry, I was going to say just quickly because it's like I've said things in commentating mm. that last forever. You know that like when Jack Della knocked out Adam Bates, right? And I've gone, oh, Jack Della, like greatest performance of his career. Amazing, right? Amazing. It's amazing sound grab. What is always edited out of that is something that keeps Cam O'Neill up at night. And that is that I go, Jack Della has guaranteed himself a shot in the UFC. That is in there. And I sound like an absolute potato because it's not true at all. Like I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim that his last fight was out and then this one that he's fighting in the contenders technically is a technical I'm not wrong. But like little things like that keep me up at night because it's like, it's going to stay there forever. So if you wanted to make a highlight reel of all the dumb shit I've said, it's all there. Any move I've ever, I've ever stuffed up, every like dust that's an anaconda, any like uh, guillotine that I've called wrong or things like that, that's there forever. And once you get over that, like you'll succeed because you're going to say dumb shit. Um, people could do it now to this podcast. Uh, they could tear it apart if they wanted to. Uh, so you just got to kind of go in fearlessly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I have experienced that for a fact. When I go back to the earlier podcast, like it was hard for me to pronounce certain fighters' names. And then you go in the comment section, just people just destroying you or you don't recall a fight properly or you give a prediction that was wrong or you give a... Um, you know, something they don't agree with, they'll, they'll fucking find you for that. You know, yeah, I mean, man, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. The ring announcing. Go look at go look at my old ring announcing of like I think it's like Eternal MMA, like forty two onwards. Actually, no, it's probably a little bit sooner as well. If you were there live, I mean, like I don't get me wrong, I'm no Bruce Buffer, I'm no even Dan Maudsley, I'm barely even a CJ Rose when it comes to ring announcing. But like, if you're there live, fuck you, you got goosebumps. I fucking killed it. You go listen back because of like the audio and how it comes through the computer. I sound like a fucking idiot. In fact, I'm pretty sure I made an MMA fucking meme page because it like <laughs> it, it. I sound I sound insane. I'll send you the link to it. It's like I sound insane uh, calling this. Uh, I forgot who who it was. It was in the purple vest. And I was fucking giving it my all and listening to it back. I sound like an idiot, and that is there forever. Yeah. And I will have to carry that around for the rest of my life type thing. And it's like, if you let that shit bother you, oh, you're not going to fucking have a long career. Yeah. Uh, my experience for me, the hardest, one of the hardest things I, could, I had to do in comedy was actually going back and listening to my old tapes. Oh, yeah. You just, even though where people who podcast is our voice is the way we project ourselves, I just, oh, I find it so hard to actually like, listen to the sound of my own voice that's just why and especially when i'm telling a joke especially when it was a time when i bombed i'm just like oh my god i have to relive this twice you know but once you look past that you know and you can be a little bit more and you become a little bit more comfortable 
in those moments where you know you're down in your selfness and you, you deplete your ego, that's the most, most important, the most important moments, really. Uh, yeah, and it is important for, for, for growth in, in anything you do because uh, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. So what it's a similar thing in, in any sport, in any media, in any comedy, whatever it is. We judge ourselves on, on our intention and others judge us by the result. So as the reason why it's important to listen back is that's how everyone else heard it. Mm. And sometimes the way we say it, it doesn't come out the same way. It sounds different. It sounds more offensive. It sounds not as funny. And it's important to be a listener through it or, or a viewer. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what makes you better. But yeah, it is probably a fate worse than death than mm-hmm. listening back to your own shit. Yeah. <laughs> True. Oh, man. Anyway, fortunately, uh, we're running up to the end of the time. I've got to get my ass back to work. But man, before I let you go, Earlier on, you talked about, you know, you've got a great great uh, team behind you. You know, you mentioned so many names in the podcast. I just wanted to say that one thing I do with everybody who comes on the show, like the last few minutes, man, is there anyone you want to extend your gratitude to that you haven't mentioned? Is there anyone you want to thank? Nah, fuck them. It's all me. Um... <laughs> You're the first person to say that. <laughs> it is. Fuck them. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I got like I got I got gratitude to everyone. Like Ben Ben Vickers, I love Ben. Steve Kennedy, I wouldn't <laughs> be here without him. All that sort of shit. But like, fuck you, man. I was using Peter to get Paul to pay me more money. You know <laughs> that sort of shit. It's all me. I'm the best. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's gonna be the best fucking response ever. I thought I was gonna say, yeah, I'd like to take mom, take my dad. Wow. Fuck that. It's me. Don't get me wrong. I got, I just did fucking 57 minutes of bloody thank yous to everyone. That last three minutes, fuck them. It's all me. I put it together. I'm the one that did it. <laughs> Respect, man. Honestly, I could say fucking uh, uh, in terms of podcasts that I've had, you, my friend, have been probably one of the fucking most rawest I can ever, like rawest podcast I've ever done. And honestly, man, you fucking keep doing what you're doing, man. I mean, um, you definitely got me hooked on it. And uh, hopefully, man, we can, I, uh, for a fact, when I start getting my little studio going, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you back in, man, because this is, yeah, not, this is Anytime. Cool. yeah, this is one of those opportunities that you just, you, this is not one and done. This is like, this has got to keep going. Yeah, anyway. and that goes to anyone, anyone, anyone listening, man. I'll fucking do. Like anyone wants a podcast or any, even just a chat. I just get bored sometimes. Just give me a call. <laughs> so I'll fucking talk to anyone. Appreciate it, Mitch. All right. Thank you very much for joining me, man. All the best in what you're, in what you're doing. Thank you very much.